the best podcasters, a potential infamous link, and owning real estate on the next Give Me Some Truth. So, uh, Nate, uh, I was thinking about this before we got on the air. Are we really the, the power team of Walkner Condon podcasters? I, I feel like the two of us together in the booth is, is like upping the power level. I think that validation would have to come from somewhere. I don't know that it's as genuine if it comes from us specifically. If we're talking about ourselves? And anointing ourselves as as that, I yeah. think that that's that's a little bit of a stretch. I mean, but the, I'm not. We're gonna, the benefer. I'm not going to disagree. The, the, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to talk you down from that point. The Braniston <laughs> of of uh, of podcasting at Walkner Condon. Right. I mean, right. I, I mean, I don't think anybody should disagree. I, I I assume that our clients circle on their calendar when they hear you and I are going to be doing a. podcast That's why we don't together. do it very often. No, because, because you know, I mean. Well, the world kind of stops. I mean, comes to a halt. People are like, "What are Nate and Keith another talking about?" These two. Yeah. Wait. Oh boy, this is this is big time. Wait. And uh, we we actually have a lot in in common uh, in some senses because uh, uh, Lake Shishabagama is is something we have in common, and it relates with the other thing that we have in common, which is. Uh, both of our families have a little bit of background, mine a little further back than, than yours, in real estate. Um, yes. Um, the lake reference is uh, the lake that my parents live on up in Manaqua. And uh, uh, back in Keith's lineage, uh, there was uh, ownership, not ownership, ownership? Ownership. Ownership of a, uh, of a resort uh, that's on the very same Lake Shishibagma, which is... Uh, our um, kind of our our familial way of introducing the topic today, which is Keith rental property, rental property, because uh, we get, I think, and and I get, uh, particularly in the kind of international set of things, uh, a lot of questions. Should I buy a rental property? Should I, should I, you know, sell my home and the, you know buy a new one and rent the old one yeah. or? buy rental property. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about renting because uh, both of us, you know, kind of have histories in it. And uh, the, the one I, you know, kind of uh, allude to is uh, my grandfather worked in, in, you know, owned rental properties, was a, was a builder as well. And, and then uh, my uncles owned a couple of rental properties. And what they, they figured out was that one of them was good as a, at electrical work and one was good at plumbing. And, they would, you know, do that related to uh, the rental properties they had. And so really one of the first questions I always ask is, are you handy? If people ask me, should I buy a rental property? Because this is one of the little known things about, you know, rental properties is they require upkeep. They require fixing. Uh, Tenants do weird stuff and weird stuff in various parts of the building that you didn't even know they could do weird stuff to. And if you don't know how to fix these things or lower the cost or do the plumbing or feel confident in teaching yourself, all of a sudden that becomes a brand new expense and that can, that can add up. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think you're exactly right from the standpoint of, of putting 
of, of the amount of thought and, and um, planning that's required before this decision is finally made, or at least we would hope that people would put this level of thought into it because um, the question comes up a lot um, from, from what we can determine because in the books that people read or the advice that they get online or the millionaire next door-esque uh, type guides that they look at indicate to them that real estate can be a valuable piece to somebody's overall retirement plan or kind of wealth plan or set another way. Um, a number that I see get thrown around a lot is X percent of millionaires um, got to that point financially uh, through, in some part, real estate ownership, right? And it's always a number that's like 80% of all millionaires or 90% of all millionaires. I'll look and see. Maybe I can even find this stat before we're done here today. Um, and I think it's a little misleading because I think then what people that what people infer from that is, okay, therefore, I can't be financially um, independent without owning real estate or the key to financial independence is through real estate. Um, and I, I don't know that those, those uh, sentiments or those thoughts are inherently right or wrong. I think it's, it's, it's case by case. And I think that's the problem with when people think about real estate as a component to their financial plan is they don't know that they fully understand all that's involved um, with that aspect of, of, uh, of investing. Yeah. And so I let off with kind of a, a negative, you know, fixing toilets. Um, but there are certain positives to, to real estate. And I think one of the, to, to building wealth. And I think one of the big ones that, uh, you know, it, it's very easy to leverage, right? Real estate. So you can go and buy a second property and take out a loan from the bank very easily. And that means that over time, you know, you buy that, that property, you rent it out, hopefully to the point where, you know, the rent covers the, the, mortgage payments, we'll call them on the property and the property taxes. And over time, you you build wealth through paying back that loan and, and buying it through basically taking that rental income and, and paying it down. And, you know, that that idea of leverage is one very handy thing in terms of building wealth. And then the other thing people look at is it's a consistent cash flow, right? Every month, somebody's writing them a check, you know, that that works through that that goes their way and so um you know it it makes sense from that perspective that it's a really easy way to leverage right? and i i would even come in and say i'm not even 100 percent sure that the people that are interested in the idea even know that that in and of itself which is i want to buy it because of cash flow or i want to buy it because i can leverage it i don't even know if that's a thought or just as much as it's um I feel like I should do this for some reason. I yeah. don't even know that they've defined to themselves why they think it's a good idea. I just think that they hear about it or somehow the idea gets put in front of them and then they think, well, I can do this. This this can't be that hard kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I found the stat. Now, again, bear with me on the uh, source here because this is from the collegeinvestor.com. So, you know, I, whoever these people are. But anyways, uh, they, they lead off this... Uh, um, uh, article by saying over the last two centuries, about 90% of the world's millionaires uh, have been created by investing in real estate. Uh, now that, that statement in and of itself is incredibly misleading. The, the yeah. phrase have been created by investing in real estate. Well, that's, that's not true. I think what they, 
a better way to phrase it would be a portion of their wealth has come from the ownership of real estate, which can simply even be defined as the vast majority of millionaires don't rent. Yeah. They own a house. Yeah. Okay. If well, you own a house. If yeah, you own a house, gets... therefore, part of your wealth came from real estate. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I think that's, you know, one of the things that people just think, see these kind of numbers and then they also get, uh, we've uh, talked about, and I think we have a blog post coming up uh, about sort of celebrity economists or celebrity right. advice givers. Right. And so they take a stat like this, don't think through it and say, you should invest in, in real estate. Right. And then many times as well, they might have a commercial interest in somebody that will teach you how to become a millionaire yeah, in right. real estate. Lo and behold, they have a book to sell. Or yeah. They have a yeah. website. And, and so that's, you know, some of the things, uh, you know, Nate, you've you've seen it. What are other good reasons to, to look at buying a rental property or renting a property or, or investing? Yeah. In and just, I'll take a, just a little half step back here, just so that people understand my background that, that are not familiar with it. Um, I sold real estate for four years when I was in college for my father's company. My father's been in real estate for um, literally as long as I can remember. Um, owned real estate companies, uh, owned construction companies, has owned rental properties for as long as I can literally remember. I remember being a little kid and going to some of the rental properties and doing whatever we needed to do there. Um, so my my entire upbringing has been somewhat, um, I don't want to say necessarily centered in this because this wasn't the only thing that, that my parents did by way of, of um, um, work and or kind of investing, but it was a big part of it. And so that, that's kind of my background and kind of where I come in on this. Um, where I think it makes sense for people is um, people that have already done a fair amount of checking of the boxes on their uh, kind of laundry list of financial planning and, and, and uh, retirement planning um, items, I, th- I think, can, can ultimately get to owning real estate. And what, we, what I mean by that is, do you have a well-funded, and in this case, a even higher than well-funded emergency um, bucket somewhere in your financial plan. Uh, people that own real estate, and I, I, I'm careful to throw numbers here because it's different for everybody, but I mean, it's not uncommon for people that own real estate to have thirty or forty or fifty thousand dollars in cash uh, behind them uh, before they even buy their first property, and, and and in some cases they have more than that after they buy their second or third or fourth property because as Keith alluded to earlier, these things cost money and it can be unforeseen expenses that really can create problems for people that buy it. So it's somebody that has already taken a number of steps down the path of, of good financial planning. They probably have retirement accounts already set up. They're already actively funding these accounts. Um, this is not their first step down the path of financial independence. It should not be real estate, at least in our opinion. Uh, well, and I would say as well with a lot of the people that we deal with, chances are they don't have a, a set of skills that lends itself to successfully managing um, right. a property. You have to have time. And yes. in a lot of cases, it helps if you're you're skilled at yes. fixing toilets, fixing electrical. Yes. You know, I know I am dumb labor. I can paint barely. Um, yeah. And I do a little electrical work, but uh, Nate... This is a newly determined skill for you. Yeah, a and newly found y- skill. you're pretty much convinced I'm going to electrocute myself at some point. I simply know the dangers of messing around with electricity and electrical work, and that's a an outcome that can happen. Um, but I have, you know, I, I have a, an excellent assistant in my dog, <laughs> so I'm not worried at all. So, 
All's fine. <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be fine. But I, I think, you know, time. Yes. You know, if you have a family, right. if you're, you know, that that takes up a big chunk of it. And then, yeah, the skill set and the willingness right. to put that skill set to work. And, and understanding, too, in, in the time piece of it even is, I think, something that people don't have a good appreciation for. Uh, time from from the perspective that uh, things can go wrong on Saturday afternoons, on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday at, you know, midnight. Uh, you know, if it's the weather that we're having right now and somebody's furnace dies in your, in your rental unit at midnight on a Wednesday, uh, you're going to get a phone call and you're going to be expected to do something in regard to that. Um, now, these are extreme cases, but these are the things that happen. So time doesn't just mean I have an hour of extra free time every day between 5 p.m. and 6 p.m., therefore I'm going to buy a rental property. You have to be open and understanding the fact that you now kind of have this as um, as something that you need to uh, uh, kind of care for. for. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, this it, is the, not... The furnace does not break, as we all know, in the middle of, of June at... Right. You know... At two thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, it's not April when it's yeah. seventy degrees out and yeah. it's fine for you know x yeah. number of days until you can get it. You know, an HVAC person there. Yeah. And so that's the first thing to be aware of. The second thing that I would say is, um, you, you you have to have patience and and an incredible amount of patience when you buy real estate as an investment. This is not something that is going to work well for you in a year, in three years, in five years in some cases. This is a long-term commitment. Um, I know that there are people out there that, quote, flip homes and, and they do this with real estate. And some people, frankly, are good at it. And, and, and to those people, um, they know what they're doing. And, and um, for the right person, that makes sense too. But it's uh, that's not what most people that are buying real estate are doing. They're buying it for the 5, 10, 15, 20-year uh, time frame, um, and they have to be patient to be able to wait that out for it to really start to kind of create that profit for them. If I if I take a step back and imagine I'm a, a client asking you about this and saying, well, time wise, can't I just hire a rental company to manage the property for me um, and handle all of that stuff? What's your your response to to that? Yeah, the the response to that is that generally. Um, the real estate market and, and even the rental real estate market as kind of a subset uh, is a pretty efficient machine, um, meaning that properties are generally bought and sold for pretty darn close to what they should be bought and sold for. And this is even just, you know, residential property. This is commercial property. This is rental property. This is whatever whatever real estate animal you want to look at. So rental properties specifically, um, when you buy them, there may not be a great deal of upfront cash flow or said another way, if you buy a rental property, it's very unlikely that you're also going to have three, four, five, six, seven hundred dollars a month of just profit rolling in off of that rental. It's very unlikely because if that was the case, then why would the person that's selling that property be selling it if it was cash flowing to that level, right? It's unlikely that that would be the case. And so where the question, the answer, at least to Keith's question um, in my mind is always, where's that money going to come from to pay the management company? Because they're not going to do this for free. And it, frankly, they may not do as good a job of it as you would, because they don't own your property. You do. Uh, so where's the money going to come from? Because if you're only going to cash flow your property at say 50 or a hundred or $150 a month in the beginning, which might be the case, 
it, it, you're going to be hard pressed to find a property management company that's going to do that work for you for fifty dollars a month. So now you're talking about a scenario where you're potentially losing money on the property the first year, the first two years, the first three years. Okay, now we've introduced an entirely new variable to the picture, which is now it's costing me money every year, which, again, is not a good place to start. So I, I think property management is not a bad idea, but the, the, the numbers have to work out in such a way where you can pay that company and still have enough profit where it makes sense to go down this path um, at all. And so, you know, if I, I look at it as well, there, these are some of the hidden costs that I think people don't put in to right. a rental property. They just look at, oh, I could clear X a number a month or, oh, I can rent that for X and my mortgage is going to be Y and right. it's going to be greater than that. Other things that people don't, you know, kind of take into account is you have to pay property taxes on that. Right. You have to think about, you know, what if I, I rent it for a year and then, you know, renter leaves and it sits open for a month or two. All of a sudden that's a $1,500, 2000 whatever kind of capital call where you're paying that mortgage without that yeah. money coming in. No, that's a great point. The majority of, of real estate investors that I know uh, when, they, when they do an analysis on a property or even on the properties that they own, they're building in a vacancy probably to the extent of, of one to two months a year as, as a vacancy cost. Um, even if they have a tenant that's under a year or two or three year lease, they still will build that into the projections because things happen. That person could pass away. That person could leave with and break the lease and, and, and not give you a whole lot of notice of it. I mean, things can absolutely happen to that extent. Um, I think a good thing to ask yourself before you would potentially look at buying a rental property is, do you even know how to do an analysis on a property covering some of the variables that we just talked about? And if you're not even to that level, then I'm not sure that this makes a lot of sense for you to do uh, without having further education and without having further research to, to fully understand how to do an analysis. Um, one thing to be aware of is what's called a cap rate. Okay, a cap rate is uh, a, a, a function within real estate that we use, a little bit more used on the commercial side, but you can use it on the, on the uh, residential side as well. Um, cap stands for capitalization rate. It just helps you to understand uh, kind of what is your rate of return on on that property? Um, that's a good question that we'll ask people that that invest in in almost anything that we would consider a little bit uh, more non typical, such as you know fine art or uh, you know cryptocurrencies or you know whatever it might be. Even even um, more frequency or higher frequency trading, day trading kind of thing. What was your rate of return last year? And, and what's shocking is that most people can't answer that question. And if you don't even know what your rate of return was, then do you really think you should be doing that level of investing or that type of investing? Yeah, and, and you know, if you're not able to plan or anticipate what that cap rate is right, and think about the variables that we've addressed in, in cons constructing a business plan for it. I mean, I think right. almost in some sense all of the, the – questions we are posing back and forth here into the into the kind of void are questions we ask our clients and basically what we're asking for is yeah that's you should do that what's your business plan yeah right what are the you know it's like owning a restaurant nobody when they go into you know owning a restaurant thinks about what napkins cost right right but yeah you have to you have to think about it and when you go into people think of a rental property and they see the numbers and they see stats like 90% of millionaires and they think oh yeah 
that's what I should do. But, you know, are you, are you equating the costs? Have you thought about that you have to repaint that place? Right. You know, fixing things up, fixing things, maintaining lights. Well, even to the extent know. of, do you understand how a, how a rental lease works? Are you, are you educated to, to know what a good, a well-written lease looks like versus a poorly written lease looks like? If you can't differentiate between those two things, uh, again, you, you need more seasoning, you need more uh, education, and you need to do more research before you get on this path. I mean, it's the, the whole point of this is not to try to stump somebody. It's not to try to talk somebody out of the idea. It's not to um, you know, pour cold water on, on uh, something that somebody's excited about. It's a little bit more of um, wanting to make sure that somebody doesn't turn into a cautionary tale or this, this idea that they had, um, that they jumped into doesn't turn into a cautionary tale because uh, these decisions, uh, when we deal with things like uh, real estate, these, these illiquid types of investments, uh, they, they do warrant a little bit more uh, caution and um, you know, knowing what you're getting into, because if you get upside down on it, or if the market swings the other way, or if you get yourself into a spot where you have a, a vacancy for, you know, four or five, six months, unloading a property like that is very difficult. And you're probably going to lose a, a, a decent amount of cash in the deal. So it's, it's not without pain to undo a mistake, quote, a quote mistake that you might make, um, simply through, not knowing what that world looks like. Well, and, and that's the other thing. I think we see a lot of the positive stories of, of right. real estate. Uh, uh, you know, I think there's a sort of bias towards those, and you don't see a lot of the negative stories of, right. oh, this this guy did this, and look at, you know, look at what what happened to him. Yeah, and, do, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in real estate. I think it makes sense for a lot of people. I don't want people to walk away from this podcast thinking that we just we 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 took the negative approach on all of it. That's not the the intent at all. Um, again, I, my parents are where they're at right now because of real estate. So I I, I understand the power of what it is, but uh, it, it is something to go into with your eyes wide open and uh, your homework done to fully understand what it takes to um, own, maintain, um, and you know, really do well uh, with real estate ownership because simply owning real estate doesn't mean that you're doing well. Uh, it simply means that your name is on the deed and your name is on the mortgage. It doesn't mean that it, it was a good decision for you. So ultimately what we want from people is to uh, have thought through what they should have thought through before they make the decision so that when they make the decision, they have a certain level of confidence that they did it correctly and that it is something that will benefit them and their families you know, down the road, uh, not just from a monetary standpoint, but from the personal satisfaction that a lot of people get out of, um, you know, providing, uh, you know, a, a fundamental basic right of, of people to, to have, you know, a, a place to live. It, there, there is something that is, that is very, there's a lot of subjective benefit that you get out of providing, um, you know, home satisfaction, and, and satisfaction yeah, for personal people satisfaction that, that they understand that they provided a place for other people to live. I mean, it, it sounds kind of basic in that way, but there is some uh, intrinsic value to that that it's hard for people to put a, a well, and know, it's something concrete, on. right? There's yeah. a sense of you know, stocks and bonds are are more abstract, and that's something concrete, right? right. I, I own that, 
right. You know, that's that's mine. And it's I tangible, think, and it it has a. It, it just again, it has a different satisfaction to it than seeing your portfolio go up ten percent in a year. That has a certain amount of satisfaction in and of itself. This has a different level of satisfaction to it, but yeah, it also can cut the other way too, and it can it can be more painful than even a negative ten percent on your portfolio. Um, you know, at the end of the year, that's painful to see red numbers on your statement. It's a heck of a lot more painful when you're having to actually deal with some of the ugliness that happens in the world of, of owning or rental dig properties. Into, dig into your pocket. I mean, you uh, know. yeah, I mean that to property damage to, I mean, all of the other things that can happen when you own something like that. So ultimately what we want people to do is reach out to us. That's why you have us. That's why we, we want to work with people. Uh, so that they have a resource. If this is and, something you're yeah. interested in, let us know. Yeah, I think we want to be a sounding board. We may have made it sound like you know we're we're negative on it, but we're not. And you know, I I deal with inquiries as well on international because the the number of uh, things that people can invest in as they move abroad right. gets more and more difficult. And people look at it and oh, should I you know do A or B or should I buy a second home or a second property? And that's an individual decision. Uh, what I generally recommend is don't own properties in two countries sure. uh, if you can avoid it uh, because that makes life more complicated. But I think these are the conversations we want to have with our clients. Right. We want to be a sounding board. It's one of the reasons I like working with Nate uh, is because you have this expertise that a lot of financial advisors you know, don't necessarily have. So if, as well... If people look into this kind of commercial property, rental property investment, Nate can guide you through questions about financing, questions about how to do it, where to look, you know, you know those kind of uh, of things. Yeah, as and well. I think that that's what it's important for clients to understand that these are the type of collaborative conversations that we have in the office, talking about different clients' um, questions or, or uh, things that they've put in front of us. Uh, this is what we do uh, during the day. You know, a lot of people say, "What? What do you do at you know eleven o'clock and you know on a on a Wednesday when you don't have an appointment?" Well, this is the stuff we do. We have conversations about clients' questions and about scenarios that they've put in front of us, and we ask each other if they have if we have experience or if we know somebody that has experience in that area. So please put those questions in front of us. Uh, it's why we're here. Uh, at the end of the day, we we want to be the resource that our clients look toward. Uh, when it comes to questions in their life that have to do with dollar signs and investments, that's that's why we're here. Well, and the other added bonus, and you told me I'm not allowed to tell it on the air, but if if you know people come in and ask about this, I can then tell you my serial killer rental real estate story, right? Well, yeah, we're, and we're going to leave it there because we want it to be a, a teaser. It's we a teaser. It to, to, people, to, yeah, to whet the gonna, appetite. This is going to bring people right. in. If I you think. if you want to if you want to hear more about Keith's. Uh, uh, I don't even know what we would call it. I would say a um, it's infamous, a cautionary tale, an infamous um, tangential connection to right. history, an infamous uh, person in history that unfortunately we all are aware of. I'm, I'm pretty sure all of us would prefer that we weren't aware of this person, but we are. Um, and Keith will tell you the story about that. But that's that's for another time. We uh, we appreciate your time today. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again on Give Me Some Truth. Ask the masses 
Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, Mitch DeWitt, and Keith Boniwaz are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not provide any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures. Uh. Ah. Facebook. Facebook. All right. Three. Faces Facebook. Th- you start talking or me start talking? What? Three, two, one. Excellent. That's it.